As Lang said, please do keep your Bibles open. We're going to keep looking exactly what uh, God has said through John here. Uh, We're at the end. Some of you, if it's your first time here, you're right at the beginning. But we're at the end of seven weeks looking at the seven claims of Jesus about who he is and how that then impacts us. So we've seen, as Lang said, he's the light of the world who rescues us from darkness. He's the bread of life who alone satisfies. He's the gate, the one way to life in all its fullness. He's the resurrection and the life, the one who has mastery over death. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And he's the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. This is Jesus. This is who we worship. And the call throughout this series has been echoing the reason that John wrote his account. We see in John 20, he says, he he writes his account so we might believe and have life in his name. And that's what we've taught this series. And that's our prayer that as we've looked at these things, uh, it's helped us believe that this is Jesus, this is who he is, so that we might have life in his name. And today we have our final claim. As we've talked about John 15, I am the true vine. I've loved looking into what this means and this whole sequence of teaching from Jesus. So let me pray uh, for God's help uh, as we look at it now. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to look at the very words of God together today. Help us now to listen, help us to understand what you say through your word and help us then to obey off the back of it, to obey your commands as you call us to here, Lord, and let it cause us to worship you afresh. Uh, or maybe for the first time we pray. Amen. We're going to ask some questions. They're the same questions I've been asking as I prepared for today. We're going to ask five questions. What does Jesus mean when he says he's the true vine? What does it mean to be fruitful? What does it mean that we are like branches? What does the father, the gardener have to do with it? And how do we be fruitful? There are five questions. I couldn't make them alliterate. I couldn't make them cleverer than that. They are the five questions we're looking at. And hopefully they're ones when you read that passage, which you've gone, yeah, okay, let's, let's dive in together. So we're gonna do that. And firstly, we're gonna look at what does Jesus mean when he says he is the true vine? Um, As we've learned, a number of the claims Jesus makes are better understood if we know more of the culture of the time, the context of those listening. His disciples here would have known their Old Testaments quite well. And the vine is used as a description throughout the Old Testament to talk about Israel, God's chosen people. Uh, Amazingly, they're always called this in the context of being unfruitful and unfaithful, which leads to judgment. Psalm 80. We see the psalmist says, your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire, at your rebuke your people perish, as Psalm 80 talks about uh, the despicable acts of Israel, or their unfaithfulness towards God. So Israel was the vine, and now Jesus rocks up and says, I am the true vine. It's an outrageous claim. Psalm 80 then continues, it says, let your hand now rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself, pointing towards Jesus. Israel, God's chosen people, were meant to point towards the one who chose them, God, as a witness to the world. And Jesus says, I'm not just the vine or a vine, I'm the true vine, I'm the one to whom Israel pointed. I'm God. There won't be a surprise that that's what he's claiming here. He's claimed that in all seven of his statements in some way, shape or form. And he says now, if you abide in me, You won't be like Israel was. You won't be fruitless. You won't be unfaithful. You'll be fruitful. 
Verse five, it's on the screen. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is Jesus, the true vine. So let's now look at the metaphor a bit more. Uh, exactly what Jesus says and what this means for us. I am the vine, you, that's us, are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, um, here's a branch from a fruit tree I decapitated this morning. Um, don't tell anyone else who lives near me. Now, I'm really sorry to say that we'll call him Barry, Barry the branch, just to help to give him a name here. Um, Barry has absolutely no chance of bearing any fruit anymore. He was on a pear tree. I don't like pears, so I'm really not, not bothered about this at all. But he's never gonna bear fruit, is he? Because he's not connected to the tree. He's not connected in the metaphor here to the vine. Has no chance. We could possibly uh, sell a tape a pear to it if we wanted to. Maybe put some grapes on it if we wanted a bit of wine fill. Um, but it, it it won't be real fruit, would it? Be fruit which came from someone else, and we just taped it on. Uh, Barry can't put all his effort in to grow some fruit now. He can't strain and go, mm, and then hope in a little bit he's going to have some fruit. It's just not going to happen, is it? Barry has no chance. The branch has no chance unless it is connected to the vine. And Jesus is saying here, I am the true vine. He's saying it's utterly ridiculous when you're not with me, when you're not remaining or abiding in me. All your labor, all your work will be in vain. We all want to be fruitful, right? In whatever aspect of life that might be, we want to be good at it, I presume. And if we follow Jesus, I presume those of us here who do follow Jesus, we want to be fruitful, whatever that means. We're going to look at that in a minute. It's how we're wired, isn't it? None of us are sitting here going, nah, I'm cool. I'll just, I'll just settle. Thanks. At work, we don't do that. In our lives, we just don't do that. And Jesus here is saying, you can talk about different strategies. You can talk about listening to certain preachers or doing certain things or doing things in a certain way. But unless you're abiding in me, there won't be any fruit that really lasts. You're just like Barry, unless you're abiding in me. He's going to die pretty soon, I think. I don't know much about gardening. He's already going a little bit brown. Now, let's get to question two then, because it's important we answer question two. We'll come back to Barry in a minute. What does it mean to be fruitful then? We see here in verse eight, look down with me. Verse eight, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then in verse 16, we see, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So I think it's clear here, verse eight, fruit shows us to be his disciples. We see later when he talks about what it actually looks like, we will obey his commands. Fruit seems to mean godliness. He says that those who remain in him will do all he commands. As we show fruit, we'll, we'll be godly in how we do that. He talks of his people being those who love like Jesus loved us. Echoes the greatest commandment from Jesus to love God with all we have and to love others radically. So fruit seems to be godliness, but also in the context of John in verse 16, fruit which lasts is that call to love others as Jesus loved us. It's definitely also talking about sharing our faith. In the context of John, it's definitely talking about evangelism, about sharing Jesus with those who don't know him. It's why we gear these services up. We, we're just so very welcome today if you don't currently believe in Jesus. We want this to be a place which you feel comfortable to come and ask questions and listen in on. 
This seems to be what fruitfulness is when we look at John here. Godliness and people turning to follow Jesus. That's what fruit looks like. And when we ask questions in a minute about are we fruitful as a people, are we fruitful as a church, it's just worth having those in mind. So we've raced through our first two questions. Thirdly, we're going to ask, what does it mean that we like branches? I've mistyped that. Um, I'm not saying we're all to be like toddlers who just like holding branches. We're like, we are like branches. We're just branches. He is the vine. We've seen it before, haven't we, when we looked at the good shepherd and the gate. We're sheep. He's the shepherd. We're branches. He's the vine. You don't have to do anything. Let's marvel at this together. You can't do anything. Remember Barry? He cannot do anything to grow fruit. Maybe you're naturally anxious or, or worry about this. Am I growing? Am I doing okay? What about if I do this? What about if I do that? Stop it. Just stop it. You don't have to do anything. You're just a sheep. Follow the shepherd. We're just a branch. Abide in Jesus. All we have to do is stay connected to the vine. It's simple. Stay connected. I'm a branch and I just need to be connected. A branch doesn't go, all right, now I'm just going to start growing some fruit. It can't. And if the branch is connected, then it just automatically happens, doesn't it? The branch doesn't decide when it grows fruit. And we see elsewhere when it comes to the fruit of people coming to follow Jesus, God is the one who does this, not us. He saves people, not us. We overcomplicate things, don't we? We all do it and it stresses us out. And Jesus says, now nah, rest, lie down in green pastures. You're my sheep, abide in me. I'm the vine, you're not. You're a sheep, you're a branch, remain in me and you will get fruit and it is fruit that will last. May that be a word which is comforting to us now. If you're just naturally a stressor or a warrior or a comparer, Satan will try and distract us from this. We've been reading C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters as a church recently. We've been learning of the different ways that Satan will try and distract us. He'll try and separate us from the vine, try and make us forget this. And Jesus uses this illustration. He says, imagine a branch apart from the vine trying to produce fruit on its own. It's ridiculous. Barry is dead. It's a path of Christ. He can't do it. He can try all day and nothing will happen to this branch. It will wither and it will die. All we have to do is be connected to him, the true vine. So if you're a follower of Jesus today and you're listening in, be thrilled by this and be confident in light of this. Look at me again with verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Friend, he's chosen you. He's appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. We can't mess this up. God chose us. He says you'll go and bear fruit. So remain in him. Just stay connected and fruit happens. So first takeaway, as we ask this question, what does it mean that we're like a branch? Just remain in Jesus. We're going to look at it in a minute. What does it look like to be connected to Jesus? How can we help each other be connected to Jesus? But first of all, just, just praise God that he's got you. Be connected to him. He's the only way to bear fruit. And as we see now, without him, without remaining in him, it's pretty bleak. So our fourth question, what does the father or the gardener, as it says here, have to do with it. Verse one, read down again with me. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. The Father Jesus said those two things to the branches, all branches. He cuts off those branches which aren't being fruitful, and he prunes fruitful branches so they will be more fruitful. So firstly, let's look at this. He cuts off fruitless branches. Every branch will be cut, every single one. And there's there's two types. We've said fruitful branches will be cut and pruned so they might bear even more fruit. And those that don't bear fruit will be cut off and burnt. Now, you may have read this, maybe when it was being read by Liv earlier. And maybe suddenly instead of being confident or, or, or less anxious, maybe that's suddenly gone now. You're going, what does it mean that the father can cut off a branch? Can I lose my salvation? Can I be a Christian now and then not later? Let me say categorically, no, this doesn't mean this. We've seen Jesus say elsewhere in John 6, he says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that's my father, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. So if you're a Christian, you cannot lose your salvation, your eternity with Jesus. What glorious news this is. Let's marvel at this. John Piper, a uh, American writer, he helps explain this. He says, Jesus labors to teach the opposite of this, especially in this gospel. Namely, that God has chosen a people for himself and that he gives them to the Son and the Son keeps them infallibly forever. But there is a kind of attachment to Jesus, a kind of disciple, a kind of believing that is not saving. And the difference between the two is abiding and fruit bearing. So you may go, ah, Johnny, in the press recently, I've read of a few prominent high profile Christians who renounced their faith. Or you may go, Johnny, I actually know someone who was a Christian, but isn't anymore. Or I don't think they are. Well, here Jesus gives us a definition. He says, if there's no fruit, then someone is not a Christian or wasn't one. Verses six and seven, read down with me again. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See the logic there? You, you see, you can look like a follower of Jesus and not be one. You could even be pretty committed to church maybe, and yet if you don't abide in Jesus, if you don't have him as your primary relationship where you will then see through, just a guarantee, then you're not a follower of Jesus. One example in John would be Judas. In John 6, he's called a devil, and Jesus knew from the beginning when he chose him to be one of his disciples that this was the case. He's the clearest example. He was a branch in some way attached to Jesus for three years. He listened to his words, one of the 12 disciples, close relationship with Jesus, and yet not a true believer. And our passage is then quite clear of the consequences, isn't it? And if today you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, as I've said, you're so welcome with us. And I just want to teach what the Bible does and what Jesus does here. And it's clear, and I don't apologize for that because a loving word from a friend is sometimes a warning. And he says here in verse six, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Think of Barry, he is gonna wither. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. 
This is the judgment that awaits those who are not in Jesus. And so may I plead with you if you're not, be in Jesus, turn to him, follow him. And if today you wouldn't say you're a follower of Jesus, what's stopping you? T turn to him, say sorry for living your own way and turn to him and say, Jesus, I want to be in you. I want to be a branch that bears fruit. I trust in you, forgive me. And you know what, he'll answer that prayer. And it's free, it's, it's not deserved. <laughs> We've seen that. You don't have to reach a certain marker or a certain standard. It's a free, wonderful gift from Jesus. So if that's you, please, what's stopping you? Come and speak to someone after the service. If that's you, speak to me, speak to Lanx or Simon or someone who you came with and put your trust in Jesus. Because without him, if you do not remain in him, if you're not in him, then you will be like this branch that ultimately will go into the fire. Firstly, the gardener of the Father, he cuts off those branches which aren't abiding in Jesus, the ones which aren't fruitful. Secondly, then, the Father prunes fruitful branches. Now, this is a gear change. This is wonderful. Now, um, I'm no gardener, as you can see. I tried to dabble a little bit this year. I got quite excited. I uh, got my parents up to come and help me. Um, and yet now if you came round, you'd see it's back to looking like a jungle. It really is. It's weed infested. There's stuff everywhere. There's dead flowers all over it. Um, it's not pretty. But one thing I've learned, but obviously not put into practice, is about deadheading flowers. Any gardeners know about deadheading? Basically, it's cutting off dead flowers to let new ones come through and grow. It makes a little bit of logical sense. And for fruit trees, it's the same. You're meant to cut back the branches to prune them so they may flower and grow fruit. So maybe I've done a favor to my pear tree here. Verse two, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. This is what the father does to you and to me. And I'm sure if branches could feel pain, they would say that can be painful. Pruning can be painful, but it's for their and for our good. In the book of Hebrews, we get the clearest teaching on this about what the father does. He says this, he says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Similar logic to here. If, if there's no fruit, you're not a follower. If you're not disciplined, then you're not legitimate. And so all of us are, if we're in Christ, we will be pruned. And it can be painful. Remember back to our series in Romans 8 before the summer? We looked at God who always works for the good of those who love him, even when we can't quite understand. And as it says in Hebrews, it's like a good parent. They will and they must discipline their children. It can be painful for a child to hear the rebuke of a parent, but without it, they would not learn. God is working for our good. Even when we go, that doesn't seem good. Persecution. Suffering, they're deliberate acts of God in our lives. They're the work of the gardener and they are loving. They may even be bad in themselves, but God in his mysterious sovereignty gives them to us for our good. And maybe that's a truth you need to cling to now. Maybe as you walk through the doors today, you've gone, life is hard. Again, thank you for coming, you're so welcome. This is a place for broken people who are suffering and are struggling. 
What are you going through now? Maybe it's illness, yourself or in your family, depression, anxiety about work or school, difficult colleagues, you're battling temptation, troublesome children, whatever it might be. Friends, will you see these as loving acts of the gardener as he allows these to happen? As they look to help you remain in Jesus, they're here to cause us to depend more and more on God. Remember, these are acts of a loving father. These are not a sign of God's disapproval, these things, but a sign of his love to make you more fruitful. Will you accept the pruning of the father? All of us will be cut. Expect it, embrace it. His cuts here are loving and therefore are good. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, it's impossible that any ill should happen to the man who is beloved of the Lord. Ill to him is not ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine, reproaches his honor, death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled for good. Happy is he who is in such a case. He is secure where others are in peril. He lives where others die. Accept the father's pruning, friends, and don't be discouraged. The gardener has it all under control. Both persecutions and defections from within the church. And we hear these stories of people turning away from Christ. God's still in charge. Remember that. He is the gardener. So then we come to our final question. How do we be fruitful? And hopefully you kind of know the answer. We've said it. By remaining in Jesus. It's the only way. There are loads of books out there about being fruitful. Uh, for us, as a, when we started this church about 18 months ago, there were lots of books, some helpful, uh, some not, maybe with some top strategies for seeing fruitfulness and growth in this church as a church plant. Do this and then you'll see growth. Try this strategy, set it up in a certain way uh, and the culture will take you and you'll see fruits. Do more seeker services or less. R run out for Christianity Explore courses, preach on these topics or those. Preach shorter sermons, longer sermons, do more kids' work, read these books, do this. Now, some of these are good and maybe right, but ultimately they're not what brings fruitfulness to us as a church. Only by remaining in Jesus will we be fruitful. If we're not attached to the vine, we will be dead. So we need to remain in Jesus, but we get some really helpful advice here from Jesus about how we remain in Jesus. So as we look at these three points, last three points, and then we're done, let's look how we're doing personally and as a church. Firstly, we're fruitful by obeying God's word. See that in verse three? It's how it all begins right at the start. You're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And then verse seven, remain in my words. And verse 14, do what I command. It's a key value for us, for our church. It's one of our four key values, prioritizing God's word. It's why the majority of the time on a Sunday is spent teaching the Bible. We make no apologies for that. Why our junior church leader spends hours preparing sessions to teach for children what the Bible says. It's not just a, a glorified nursery. They're, they're literally looking at the Bible right now. It's why our sermons aren't insignificant in their time. It's why we provide them each week as a podcast or a download to listen to if you're not able to make it for whatever reason. It's why in small groups and growth groups, we open up the Bible together because we stay connected to Jesus by obeying his word. 
Makes sense, doesn't it? He's spoken to us, hasn't he, through this, this amazing book. And if maybe that's new to you, we believe these are God's actual words to speak to us now. It's relevant, it's true. So listen to it and obey it. I think as I was challenging this, the obeying bit is key, isn't it? We, we can listen all we want. <laughs> Remember Judas? He listened to all of Jesus' teaching. He was there front and center. But fruit is seen as we obey it. It's why in our small groups as we meet, the bulk of time is actually spent looking to apply what we've learned on a Sunday, to grapple with how we can obey this truth which we've looked at. Tomorrow, unfortunately, I get to start a, a biblical theology course for a few years for one day a week. I'm thankful my work's allowed me to do this. And looking at my reading list, I'm going to have a lot, of re lot to read, a lot to listen, and lots of stuff to think about God. But it's pointless, isn't it, if I don't then obey what I learn in the Bible? If I just take it as academic, as if, if I'm a scholar as opposed to a follower of Jesus, a disciple. True life is found in obedience to God. May I ask how you're doing at this, at applying what God is teaching you? What does this look like for you as you read the Bible in the week? And let's help each other here to do this. This is why we meet together as a family to help each other. We've got a wonderful gift of the Bible. It's why we're about to start our autumn series looking at the whole of the Bible in about 10 weeks. The big picture of it to help you understand it and apply it. Families, how do you help each other prioritize God's word? How do you discuss what it looks like to obey it together? Husbands, wives, uh, do you say, if you've got children, I'm going to take the kids for half an hour this morning so you can read the Bible? Then swap. Do the same for each other. Do you prioritize that? Growth groups, are you keeping each other accountable here? Are you asking what we're reading, encouraging each other to stay connected? Remain in Jesus as you obey his word. That's the first help to help us as we look to remain in Jesus. Secondly, Remain in Jesus by praying for help from the Father. This is glorious. Look down at me, verse 7, verse 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then verse 16, again, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This flows from the one above, obeying God's word, knowing God's word. It, it's not saying when he says, ask whatever and you'll get it. It's not saying pray for a new car, you're going to get a new car. Really sorry, that's definitely not what it's saying. Uh, the promise is that those who maintain a close relationship with Jesus through hearing and obeying his word, that is the church and the people which he will bless. If, if we get to know what he wants, if we're close to him and love him and know what he wants and he gives it to them, See the logic flow, remain in my words, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. You will bear fruit for God's glory. Prayer will be answered if it's in line with God's will, which we'll know better as we know his word. Do you ever seem to see that maybe some people seem to have more answered prayers than others? Or some churches seem to? Why is that? Could it be they're closer to him? <laughs> they know him better? As they spend time in his word, they delight in his word and they love him. They want not just what is good for them, but what he wants. They know what he wants. Mary, Queen of Scots, used to say, I'm more afraid of the prayers of John Knox than an army of 20,000 men. 
It's not prayer that's powerful. God is powerful. And if we look to him and we depend on him and pray according to his will, he will bless us. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that? We need to depend wholly on God. It's another one of our key values, dependence on God. Because without him, without him at work, nothing will happen. Fruit will not grow. Why do we maybe know so little power in prayer? Maybe it's just me. (laughs) Why do I know so little power in prayer? We relying on other things? Or could it be that we're just not praying? The Bible says you do not get because you do not ask. We often say our most important meetings are our monthly prayer and pizza meetings. This Wednesday, 7.30 p.m., Christians to support offices. We say that. I say that, but do I believe it? We, we say we depend on God, but do we? The only test is if we pray. It's been encouraging, so encouraging to see growth at church since we started 18 months ago, growth numerically, to see more people coming, to see more activities going on, see people sharing their faith with people in Bicester. Have we seen more prayer going on? Have we seen growth there? I'm not, not sure. Are we coming to prayer meetings, to pizza and prayer, to prayer breakfast? Are we prioritizing them? We know we can't always come to those, and that's fine. But if we don't, here's a challenge. Are we then still praying ourselves? If you can't make it on Wednesday, you're going to stay at home and pray? Not just for ourselves, but for the church as well, for this town and the people in it. If we want to be fruitful, we see here we must pray. Finally then, on what it looks like. And how are we fruitful? We pursue love and joy. And this is glorious. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the wonder of the gospel. Gospel means good news. God longs for our joy, which he says comes as we put him first. First in everything, as we abide in him, and then as we love those around us radically, as Jesus loved us. It's quite a high bar, isn't it? Love as I've loved you. Fruitfulness looks like this, though. It looks like remaining in him. Looks like this. Sacrificial servant-hearted love. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us as a church? It means maybe going out of our way to speak to those who may be lonely or who find church difficult on a Sunday. It means visiting people in hospital even when it's inconvenient. It means prioritizing, and here's a chance, prioritizing gathering together on a Sunday, driving back early from a weekend away, arranging our weekends differently to be with each other and encourage each other here on a Sunday and sit under God's word. It means prioritizing our small groups and our growth groups as key places of loving one another as we know each other. Maybe it means inviting people around for dinner sometimes instead of just another night in front of a telly, sharing life together. Maybe even inviting those who wouldn't naturally be your mates. It means loving our friends and colleagues and neighbors who do not know Jesus by sharing the gospel with them, the good news, laying down our pride, laying down our awkwardness and our ego and sharing with them this amazing news. Church, how are we loving? 
It all flows out of our remaining in Jesus. The fruit just comes from remaining in Jesus. As we see his love, as we see what he's done on the cross, as we see how he laid down his life for us, for his friends, we marvel at that, marvel at the fact we're God's friends. What amazing truth that is. As we remain in him, as we worship and marvel and stand amazed, the fruit follows. So as we close, may I ask, are we connected to Jesus? Now, remember, all the initiation is God's. He chooses. He is the vine who bears fruit. We're just branches, just like that. Fruit is a mark of a follower of Jesus. It's not the way in. You don't have to hit a certain standard or reach a certain goal to be a follower of Jesus. Don't let any convictions you've heard today, let the devil twist that into, I need to hit a certain standard. You don't. Jesus doesn't accept us because we are fruitful. We're not. We're dead branches. We need to be grafted to the vine, and we are, not because of our worthiness, but because of his amazing love. He is the true vine, he is the fruit giver. Now remain in him, stay connected to him, pursue him, make him the priority in all things and be fruitful. That's where obeying God's word comes in, that's where prayer comes in, that's where being part of the body together comes in, to help us, remind us to remain in him. We do this and help each other together. We long to be a church that is fruitful, I hope you do, I do. We hope to be a church that's seen many people come to Jesus, that sees radical love amongst us as we spend time together, which sees a devotion, a priority of the Bible, and a dependence on God in prayer. Verse 5, I'm the vine. This is Jesus. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. Praise God. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's depend on him. We're going to stand now. Chris is going to come up and we're going to sing in response to this as we stand amazed together and marvel at Jesus. The Jesus we've looked at at these last seven weeks, the one we are connected to. So praise God if that's you, if you follow Jesus today. But let's stand together. We're going to sing I Stand Amazed in the Presence. <laughs>